0: Welcome to the Go Off Sis Podcast, brought to you by Dove Hair Care's Crown Collection, the first holistic hair repairing system designed for you. Oh, hello there. Yes, hi. We are back for the final episode of this very special capsule season presented by Dove. But do not worry, this is not the end because we're going to be back very soon on your screen. So just... Wait, right. this season we have touched on all things hair, right? From bonnets to pop culture to the hair bumps that used to have us in a chokehold. And now to close out, we're going to throw it all the way back, all right? To the OG salon, the days of hot combs, hold your ear, okay? The sizzling oil, you can hear it, you can smell it right now. All of those styles that maybe didn't ever come out right, but you kept going back. Okay, and I know we've come a long way, but for now... We want to just wind it on back, all right? Because there's some real hair trauma and hair horror stories from the past, even now to the present, to be honest. We see it all on social media now when we talk about styling and the way that the business of styling and stylists and salons have changed immensely, especially since the pandemic. And we're going to get on into it, right? We're going to talk about what that means. We're going to talk about the business of hair. We're going to talk about our own own experience with the hair salon and why it is such a heavy, heavy burden. (laughs) But it is still something, again, we go back to time and time again. But we're just going to get on into it, right? Hair care, the products, the cost of doing our hair, and why this black tax is always upon us because a quarter size of conditioner does nothing for me at all. Okay. I have to buy two bottles to even start. So we're just going to get into that, the equity of it and just the business of hair. So we have another fresh face on the round table today, internationally known on the microphone. Okay. She's across the pond and amazing. Please welcome Ms. L'Oreal Blackett to the round table. Tell the girls a little bit about yourself, L'Oreal.
1: Hey, hi, hello, internationally known, I like that. So I'm L'Oreal Blackett, I'm Bothered UK's editor. And yeah, I'm repping money, money on the map. That's what we say, Manchester UK, money on the map. That's what we call it. Um, oh. And I, oh yeah, this, this this is what we do, Manchester 0161, that's what we say. <laughs> oh, come on, <laughs> there you go. I'm throwing them <laughs> all at you. So I'm just getting into Black British business and you know what, the heavy burden of hair I know awful well. So yeah, I'm demystifying a lot of the stuff that we thought we knew about hair and it's causing a lot of feelings to be hurt sometimes. But it's all fun as well. All the exploration of hair, it's all fun.
0: Love it. I love it. I love it. I also thought you said, like, money on the map. I was like, oh, okay, dollar-dollar bills. Okay. <laughs> was that not what was said? So that was said
2: not Manny. what was said. Like no, Manchester, she- Maya. Like, Man- Manny, Man- Manchester. Manchester. Yeah. Money on so the I map. I okay, I'll- big
1: M <laughs>
0: pounds,
3: baby. Okay. <laughs>
0: Hey. Okay. Well, there you go. Strong, strong intro. And if nothing else, y'all just listen to the dulcet tones of her voice because it is so beautiful. So we're just going to get all into it. All right. So love it. L'Oreal, you're here. I'm going to check in with my other booze. Kathleen, how you feeling today?
2: Hi, I'm feeling good, Chels. I am once again, not coming at you from the six, rep in Toronto as I do always, but I'm in Los Angeles right now. And I'm feeling great. And I love having L'Oreal on. She's like our best kept secret on this podcast. But yes. I'm so excited for everyone to hear her and fall in love with her like we all have.
0: Yes. And in case in that intro, she is Unbothered's UK editor. So she is responsible for all of the across the pond work. She does an amazing job of talking about beauty and hair and skin and all the things for us at Unbothered. And so we, we had to bring her on.
3: All right. All right, Maya, how you feeling? Honestly, y'all, it's eleven o'clock in the morning. I don't talk before twelve. So (laughs) you know, I'm feeling very peaceful, very calm, (laughs) having my agua. I'm feeling great, you know. Still coming from Brooklyn, but born and raised in Florida. You already know what time it is. So
0: (laughs) after Kathleen just said she's in LA, and you know I'm in LA too, which means it is a crisp (laughs) 8 a.m. here. (laughs) Right in LA. (laughs) <laughs> i am in my sleep shirt okay <laughs> y'all can't see me but i'm I am. literally
4: in my pajama <laughs> bottom <college>. these <laughs> are my like,
0: choices we get up and we do it and we show out for you so we're gonna get on into it all right so we already know maya's pet peeve is time but when you are getting your hair done professionally what is your sort of like pet peeve with a stylist that you said like i'm never going back to this person again
3: Um, Let's get into the list. When the stylist just doesn't care about the health of my hair, they're just trying to achieve whatever Instagram hairstyle they've seen on my head. I don't like that. Upcharging me because I have more hair and thicker hair, that's genetics. Upcharge my mama. I don't like that. When I'm on time to my appointment and you're hella late, like late, 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 and I get no discount and extra attitude that I did not order... I don't like that. I don't like that. I got to at Is go. that the end of the list? Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> and
0: so are they upcharging you for like parting? Because I've seen that also on like social. Or what are they upcharging you for? Well, theoretically,
3: I don't get my hair done a lot. I usually go to like people who do natural hair. So if you don't come with your hair pre-detangled. I went to somebody a while ago and they were like, if your hair is past a certain length, we're going to charge you extra. So you're mad because my hair grows. Is that not the goal? Is that not why I come to you to help my hair grow? Like, it's just like, what is the point? Like, what are they teaching in these new age cosmetology schools? Because Miss Pearl would never do me like this. She was, come on, baby, sit in the chair. What you need today? She would never do me. Also the detangling, like, again, that's what
1: I'm here for. Like, I'm here because I can't do that myself. You know what really grinds me good is having to work extra hours before the appointment. Like, Why am I putting all this effort? It gives, I don't know how to do hair. It's come to a
3: point where it's like, girl, come to the appointment with your hair already done. And I'm going to glue a few pieces in. I'm going to do a few bumps. And then, boom, I did your hair. Can I have a thousand (laughs) dollars? No, no, you can't. I'm going to report you. I'm going to report you immediately. I'm calling everybody. (laughs) I'm calling the cosmetology board. I'm calling Better Business Bureau. I'm calling (laughs) Jesus. I'm calling everybody on you. It's up for you guys.
0: This is also why I'm like, this is a real business and I'm in the wrong business. Okay. <laughs> like very clearly. <laughs> L'Oreal, how about you? <laughs> Do
1: you know what? Speaking of like when I go to the hairdresser and I'm coming, I'm bringing with you my shame. Like I- I've done a lot of bad things in my mm. hair. I know there's heat damage. I know there's split ends. I know. Like, please don't tell me like in a way that's really judgmental. Like don't cuss me out. Like I know it's a mess. Like just you're here to just just fix it, just fix it. But it's the, even the the kissing of the teeth, the tutting, the <laughs> parting. Please, yeah, that's my biggest one. Just keep keep your opinions to yourself and fix it. <laughs> Mm-mm. I mean, I feel like I I have a, a lot of trauma
2: now from like all the things hairdressers have said to me in the past that I'm like just unlocking based on what L'Oreal and Chelsea have said. But my number one, Maya has already touched on it, is probably the most controversial one, and it is hairstylists being late. It is time. Like, my time is very valuable. I'm a Capricorn. I got stuff to do. And I got to do it on a deadline. And so if I show up on time, listen, it's it's a black hair salon, so you're going to be, you know, you're allotting into, they're going to be at least 30 minutes late, right? Like, you're going to get Ooh. there, and maybe they're wrapping up the other person. Oh. I mean, listen, this is just based on experience <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I gotta make an, an informed decision and so I a lot like 30-40 minutes maybe mm-hmm. but if you pass that mark nah we're just being unprofessional at this point and come on we're running a business if you're gonna upcharge uh-huh. and act like oh this is a business I gotta upcharge for this this and this the least you can do is be on time
3: oh Kathleen oh. the grace the grace <laughs> But I I
0: think it's a good note because, for instance, like maybe a week and a half ago, like I was getting my hair done and I had something to do the next day. So there were no other options. So I think the other thing is that sometimes they have us in a chokehold, right, where it's like there's no other option. So I can either go outside and look wild or slick it back in a bun, but that doesn't match my outfit that I was going to wear, or I'm going to sit and wait. So That time, I sat and waited, and it was, like, three hours. It was a very long, long
2: Wait, three hours before they started you?
0: Yeah, but the thing is, is that it was a Friday, and it was, like, it it was in Inglewood, and it was, like, honestly, it turned into, like, a club. And so they had, like, drinks and stuff. And Mm. so I was like, eh, whatever, what you gonna do? And I did not leave that salon until 1 a.m. So that was... (laughs) traumatic. So the (laughs) hairstyle was free is what I'm hearing you say. No, 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 no. But she did actually give me a discount. She did. Uh, Okay. She would hope so. so. Exactly. But I want to ask you then. So if Maya, you are not accepting any of this behavior, what is the most, what is the most that you have paid for your hair to get done or that you would pay to get your hair done before you'd say no?
3: I've paid at most out of my own pocket three hundred dollars to get my hair done, and I was I say that because when I was young I went to like a lot of neighborhood people, a lot of people who were just like kind of learning how to do hair, and then now as an adult I mostly just get braids. I've never gotten like a a super serious sewing, you know, a five by five wig. I've never been I never had that before, and I feel like if I were to go that route. <clears throat> Maybe eight hundred dollars, but I didn't need you to detail to me why I'm paying you that. Like you, I need you want a, an
0: itemized receipt.
3: Correct, just like I'm giving birth at the hospital and you tried to overcharge me. Yes, I want a list. I want a list, baby. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to say mine now, cause
2: it is north of that number. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Listen. Okay. So I, I will say this. One of my biggest goals in life, you know, when you're like, you're, you're dreaming up things when you're a teen, all mm-hmm. I wanted was a really good weave and like a nice condo to live in. That was, that was it. I was like, Man. when I hit those two things, I gonna be successful. And so I thought when I made enough money that I could afford a really good weave, then like, mama, I made it. So the last weave I got, the one that's in my head that was 22 inches, was about 2 k Okay. And I, I will think, say that was all yeah. in. And so I go to, sorry not to blast out your prices there, Janet Jackson. Her name is Janet Jackson, no relation to oh. Janet Jackson. <laughs> She's a hairstylist in Toronto. She's very well known. She's incredible. I was going to someone else before her and I was not happy. And so I was like, let me just bite the bullet. Let's go to Janet. Let's go to the best in the city. And that was everything in like hair services, all of that. And I've had it in for way too long, but I've had it in for a long time. So I feel like my money went far. And I also am like trying to keep it low because I want to make sure my husband doesn't hear me because listen, he, he, he's white he doesn't know how much this shit costs but also like if
0: you're getting the convenience right you said it is all in so it's like they cut it they color it yes even still the I that's a lot of money but also it looks beautiful and you feel beautiful success in inches
3: yeah Sure, money.
2: yeah you know? I mean listen I'm not saying anybody else should pay that much but this is how much this ish costs now I think we should yes, also be is. like mm. real real about that like I'm not the only it one is. spending this much money I'm not getting scammed over here that's
3: what I was gonna say you're on par with the hair girlies you're not you know yeah. You're yeah. not messing around. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's what a, you know, a quality
0: weave costs today, which is like real, but still outrageous. You know, L'Oreal, how about you?
1: I mean, I was getting a calculator out the other day and I was trying to, to be responsible. I was thinking about my next weave, like where, where do I want to go next? Um, the most I've paid before is about 600 pounds. This is not regular. This is not regular. 600 pounds is quite a bit. But yeah, I was like, I found this new girl. And I was looking at the weaves and I was like, you know what, this is time. So I was doing the maths because, you know, the it off, detangling, washing, I had mm-hmm. to add it up. So it was looking at about a thousand pounds and I feel like I'm getting to that stage of life. Like, I'm, I feel like I might be ready to commit <laughs> to a thousand pounds for this wow, next luxury okay. HD weave. That's, you know, <laughs> she said
2: <laughs> HD. Also with the ex- that exchange rate, that's basically 2K Canadian. So we're on par, oh. we're on par. I don't know that that we better
1: be like an Ooh. avatar 3D,
0: but I love that for you. <laughs> I love that for you.
1: Wait, so L'Oreal, do you ever do your own hair? I have basic skills, bare minimum stuff, but I feel like I'm in the point in my life where it's time to invest more in hairdressing. And like my mom does a lot of my hair. So she's, she's the one with the skills. I'm just the one, the needy child that has never grown up and still requires her patience. Yes.
0: So sh- you do some like you know Monet styles, coolest total Monet, and then your mom does da- like has done your hair like historically, and, and are
1: you paying her for this or is she just? Doing oh no! Kind of- oh, okay. oh no! I owe her a salary, hundred percent. I owe her a salary. Like my mom did one course when she was eighteen years old at a Black British community center. That was it. So she did that for a bit. Little did she know, she will have three children that all require her to do things, barbering, everything, braids, weaves. She does it all. So for a long time, especially in Manchester, there was nowhere else to go. So my mom was that girl. People in Manchester would tap her up. She does my auntie's hair. She did my grandmother's hair. She does everybody's hair. Her fingers are tired and I feel so sorry.
0: (laughs) 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 No, I love it that also she was just like the community like hairstylist and she was doing everyone's hair. Because when I was in Europe last year or just when I'm traveling in general, I'm always like, hey, if I were to move here, if I were to like live here for some reason, if some sort of prince proposed to me on the street, as I assume (laughs) will happen in my life who would do my hair? How would I get my hair done? And it actually, it influences my consideration of the place of like how viable it is as a place to live. So that's interesting that you're like, in Manchester, there there weren't Black hairstylists. So,
1: but now, you know, there are, but there aren't a lot of choices. <laughs> it's better. Like I have to manage expectations. Say if you did want to move to Manchester, it's better. But London is a place where you used to go. So my mom used to always talk about Going traveling the two hours to London to train, to buy hair extensions, to come back. So wow. that's what we used to do. And I still have women in my DMs like, help, where do I go?
0: No, but I mean, but I think it's very real. Of like how far are you going to get your hair? And then again, once you're getting it done and you don't get the service that you would like or that you've requested or that you've paid a lot of money for, sometimes four figures, now what? This is a business. The service is rendered. We're not okay now what are you someone are you guys someone and Maya, i already know your answer who's going to say like this is not what i wanted like i do not i'm not paying for this
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: i mean all of our answers are going to be extremely on brand so baya first of all is for sure going to tell it like it is she's basically going to own the salon by the end of it no that's, i'm just gonna, that's gonna be Maya. Like,
3: i'm very much i feel like the places I go, I'm comfortable, so I don't have to do this anymore. Yes, but it gives very, I can feel when something's not right. And I know I'm probably maybe a stylist's worst nightmare, but there has to be a margin of error because you know who your, not coworkers, but your counterparts are. You know there's some stylists out there sending people outside with foolishness and then want to call the police because they don't want to pay for boo boo to fool hairstyles, you know?
0: <laughs> have you guys ever broken up with a
3: hairstylist if you hated your hair? If I go to you one time and I don't like it, I'm not coming back to you. <laughs> I am the exact opposite, which, again, on brand.
2: I I rarely say anything. I, I've gotten pretty good, actually. I've said many times in this podcast that I don't do my own hair. I, I don't know how, but I'm pretty good at fixing if someone has done something wrong. Like, I can redo some twists in the front. I can, like, you know, recurl my hair or something if I don't like it. Because I have sat there and just taken it (laughs) and I could feel like Maya you're right you can feel when they're Mm -hmm. doing something wild back there and I just feel bad I stayed with the hairstylist for way too long I hope she's not listening to this (laughs) but I basically like ghosted her to go to Janet as I mentioned because my friends kept being like every time she does your hair you do not like it your twists keep falling out and i like I really like her as a person and so I just kept going to her and then I I, I but yeah, I didn't actually have like the breakup conversation cuz that sounds like hell to me. So I just did a little peter out. I I ghosted her. <laughs> I think it's also because like I have a hard time speaking up for myself in these situations. So, I probably got to go backwards <laughs> to be honest.
3: Laura <laughs> Kathleen going to be ball headed trying to be nice. <laughs> Kathleen, what happened to your edges? I just couldn't say no. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't
0: know. Oh, Should my I... God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Okay, L'Oreal, how about you? So when your mom is doing your hair, like, are, are you, have you broken up with that? Like, are you still with her? Like, how how does that work? Because she's playing a lot of roles.
1: The funny thing is, the funny thing is, we're beefing right now <laughs> on this topic. Kind of like, I brought it up, casually because... I haven't been, she's like, so who's been doing your hair? Uh. So we had a, like, a conversation. I said, but yeah, mom, like, I, I think, you know, I want different things, you know, I want a different look. And she was like, totally criticizing my mm. whole, she likes the traditional ways of doing things. Like, for example, she still believes that oils are the way you thought, like, can nourish your hair. Now I've tried to say, mom, like, you know, we do hair masks now, you know, we don't, we don't, the castor oil can't be used for everything, just can't. But she's, she's, no, she's defied. So we literally last week put in head of this topic. She was like, well, my mother, my mother, Uh-oh. she did a castor oil. And I was like, as soon as that comes up, it's okay. like, okay, okay. <laughs> Once okay, she brings okay, up lineage, you better yeah. shut up. <laughs> lineage, you better show up. So <laughs> me and my mom, when it comes to this, she has all creative control. If I step into her salon, which is the kitchen or the front room, mm. she has creative control. She has, there's no knotless braids. They have the knots. She does the traditional styles, and I gotta be happy with it. That's it. And that's that. <laughs>
0: wow. Wow. So, I mean, again, now we're just like a lot of people are gonna be listening to this and be like, wow. <laughs> Wow. But I, I think this is good, though. She's brilliant. Yes, oh, of, She's oh, of brilliant. Course. She's brilliant. Amazing, <laughs> clearly, because she's been doing your hair and everyone else's hair. So she was like, you're going to get this oh, yes. hair exactly as I give it to you. You're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> and I'll see you at Sunday exactly. dinner. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's very fair and it's very real as we're like talking about this and unearthing some truths and traumas of our own. I think we're doing a very good job. And if it helps, my mom Always, always. She was like, well, when I was doing your hair, it was past your shoulders and it was beautiful and she was like so I don't know what you're doing now so if it helps my mom also does that she's like wow your hair used to be so pretty I'm like okay (laughs) thank you I was
3: also 10 years old and I wasn't (laughs) stressing thank you
0: (laughs) (laughs) no problems (laughs) literally I had nothing on my mind okay she also sent me a picture like a couple of weeks ago again like mom guilt and it was a picture of me like from like 10 years ago she's like wow like Your hair looks so pretty. I was like, Mom, this is a weave. Like, what are you talking (laughs) about?
6: Like, 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 get out of
0: here. Okay, with that, we're going to dig in. Since we've had a little bit of our trauma, we think it's only fair for us to share in that with you all, (laughs) okay? So we asked you, our like Unbothered community, to share some of your hair horror stories, which we're calling the Hair Horror Story Hotline, all right? This is a chance for y'all to just release and relate to us with some of your stories, okay? You called in, you sent us some DMs, you left voicemails talking about everything from your first perm to to your first silk press, to doing your own dye jobs. And it's okay. We're here for you. We heard you. We're going to walk you through it. And you are not alone. All right. So thank you so much for sharing your stories. So we're going to hit the hair horror story hotline now and hear from you. And then hopefully we're going to give you some advice or at least just commiserate with you because we're all in it together. Okay. All right. Let's hit the line.
4: Voicemail number one. Let's go. Hello. My name is Kiara. And one moment of a hair horror story for me is that so I had my sister wash my hair one time and I love my sister um, but it was during the transition phase from coming from a going from a perm to like really embracing my natural hair and just for some context like uh, both of my sisters they have very fine hair so I have more like thicker Um, and more coarse hair, and so the way she washed my hair that one time, my entire head was dreaded up at the roots, and so I had to, like, take that, I had to re-detangle my hair, and it took, like, three hours, and it was so painful, Um, so now, from now on, and, like, from that moment, I was like, no, I am only going to be the only person to wash my hair, I, I'm going to learn how to really take care of my hair after that point. And that's what I did. I did not trust anyone touching my hair um, because of that incident. I still love my sister though, but now I know how to take care of my own hair and not depend on other people who do not know how to take care of my texture of hair.
1: <laughs> it's always family members that have the utmost confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yes. it wow. be your own people. Yes.
0: Kiera, thank you, number one, for sharing this. Um, also, I love that you had to say at the end, "I, I still love my sister." Like, like this,
3: <laughs> but does your sister was... love you? <laughs> you know, I'm just playing Kiera girl. She like she, she didn't know she didn't she, know what she was she doing.
0: Was, she okay. was doing her best. Yeah, but the disclaimer because that's real. Like, and I feel like L'Oreal, you can probably speak to this. Like you just said that, like hair can make or break
1: <laughs> some relationships for a minute, and it's touch and go. Okay, <laughs> just like me, I've been there. I've. This is the thing. When you let your family members into your hair, just know that this is a problem from the very beginning. And it's always the family members that always think that they've got the skills, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, I can do it. And it's like it comes from a good place. But once you detangling your hair for three hours and it's all knotted up in the kitchen, like at the back, uh, I can't. You can't. But yeah, you love your sister. I love my mum. My my. To be fair, my mum will want me to say. She is good at hair. She would want me... This is my Mm -hmm. disclaimer. My mother is good at hair. (laughs) Your hair always looks incredible. So she does your hair,
2: she's great at it. Uh, Kiera's sister doesn't sound like she's great at hair, though. But she does... It sounds like she was just trying to do her a favor. And I think the good thing that came out of this, if we're going to find a silver lining for you, Kiera, is that you then learned how to do your own hair more. And you decided to take the time and effort to learn how to do your hair.
0: You know... Great, great point. And it's also a very good note to note that like your hair is not always the same as your family's hair, right? Like your texture is like my texture is very different also from my sister, Kira. So I think that that's something that we also learned, right? And that we have different textures on our own head, right? Our crown can be different than our kitchen, but Kiara, you figured it out. We're proud of you. And we know your hair looks amazing now. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, so second one, we got a DM from a listener who, um, I'm gonna just read it and wow, what a ride, okay? We'll call her Linda. (laughs) That's a terrible name. I know that's not your name, but we're calling you Linda. So Linda says, I suffered from a serious PTSD situation last year on my 29th birthday. What 29 year old is named Linda? Why would I choose this? Anyways, (laughs) sorry, the beautician in style seat Walmart salon, okay, so style seat, this is another note because that is a scam, told me to my face that she don't do black people's hair. Linda, why were you here? Okay, let me just finish the whole DM. Sorry. I asked her, what if I gave you permission to? And she still refused. Remind you, I'm mixed with a lot, but I'm still 100% black. I only claim black. Okay. I could have been any race behind my mask, but she concluded what she wasn't going to do. Okay. Interesting. She already said and decided that she wasn't doing my hair. And it made me feel less than a human. I just think people in the hair industry should stop treating Black hair like a crime. Sincerely, Linda. Interesting. Interesting. So sight unseen, Linda was refused service because this hairstylist said, I don't do Black hair, period.
3: I may be weird, but I'm going to call you Lily, because Linda. (laughs) But I know the situation is really messed up. And I don't think she should have went about it this way. But it was a blessing in disguise. Do not let Mm. that what seems to be racist lady put her hands in your head. Because you probably would have walked out worse than you walked in. And when people are denying you service, this is just for anything. I don't suggest you press the issue because... You know your value and your worth. Stop trying to shine your light in these mediocre ass places. But anytime somebody says they cannot service you in a particular way, walk out of that establishment because it could get a lot worse. Believe them. Yes. Mm-hmm. She could have had you bald headed and looking a mess off of anger or just sheer her not knowing what she's doing and feeling, trying to make you feel away because she didn't know what she was doing.
2: Whoo, that's a word. That's a word. And also, I mean, I do think it speaks to like a larger systemic issue with non-black hairstylists not knowing Mm -hmm. how to do black hair. Yeah. You went to school and you still think that it is okay that you don't know how to do black hair and you're wrong and strong in that ignorance. That, to me, is a problem.
1: In the UK, they've changed this. Hmm. Mm.
2: In the UK, they have changed it?
1: Yeah. In 2021, they tried to make this a rule that everyone has to be able to tend to foresee hair again do I trust people to be the like do I want to be the guinea pig again this is a very recent change so again as Kathleen says it's clearly a systemic problem but in this process it's going to take some more time for people to get used to our texture and go to know where we know we're going to be served well I I don't go where I'm not wanted ever (laughs) don't see you won't see me there
3: so I, was, I just want to footnotes. So your feelings are valid. I don't want you to feel like yes. we're not validating your feelings. Your feelings are very much valid. I'm sorry that you felt like less of a human in that space, in that place. And we are sorry that that happened to you. And again, just go where the love is. Go where the love is.
0: Truly. Thank you, Lily, a.k.a. Linda. <laughs> all right. Last up. All right. So we got our last voicemail here and we're just going to let that play. All right. Um. Maybe just listen to this one, Kathleen. So, yeah.
6: <laughs> okay so when i was 16 this was the first time i was ever getting my hair braided so i didn't really know the protocol i remember i had waited in the rain for this woman to come to my hair appointment like it was a real salon and everything and she was about two hours i want to say like an hour too late she calls me when i'm like hey my appointment it's it's time I'm 16, so I'm, like, super nice at the time. And she's like, okay, can you come pick me up? And I was like, for well, sure, no problem. Again, why I wasn't upset that I'm now wasting gas to go pick her up is beyond me. But I go and I pick her up, and she has her kid with her. So now I'm picking up her and her kid. And we go back to the hair salon. She raised the hair so tight that I can, like, feel it on my stomach. Like, it's it's weird. So she finishes my hair after what feels like ages, and then She's like, oh, I don't take cards, only cash. So I had to go get cash, of course, which is whatever. Like, I should have, you know, got that handled first. But then she's like, can you wait for me and my son, like, for me to finish this woman's hair so I can um, go home? Because I was just on right home. So I am like, oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm waiting another hour to, like, take her and her kid home. I take them home, but not before stopping at the gas station so I can go pick them something up per her request. And yeah, that was my hair trauma story. Mm
5: -hmm. (laughs) Kathleen, did you? (laughs)
3: this you Anna, I know this you you don't gotta
1: hide
2: listen I've never this is she became a car service I have never gone that far also I can't drive so maybe I would what oh my
3: god it just I thought it was just I thought we were at the climax at one point and it just kept getting worse (laughs) (laughs) at no point did I expect anything on that voicemail
0: we'll call her Niecy Niecy the nice girl is that better um, Niecy, why were you in the movie ride-along? What is When, when <laughs> she asked you, you picked her up. Oh no. And used your own gas money and then had to wait for an hour to get her money, then bring her and her son back home. But oh wait, he wanted some hot Cheetos, so they had to stop at the <laughs> gas station
3: for her and i guarantee you there was no discount there was no no, no. nothing oh no
2: but also this is after she kept her waiting so it's like asking for favors on favors after she already disrespected her time it's egregious it's wow wow audacity i'm
3: gonna come pick you up what are you talking about can i come i wanna can i can you come get me I'm sorry I, I think you disconnected For like maybe a second I could have sworn I heard you say Can you come get me But I know That's not what you said I know that's not What you said
1: <laughs> This is a warning For all those people Pleasers man Yeah I know. That, that's...
2: Say no <laughs> No is a full sentence Yes Nisi We we
0: hear you Ooh. We love you We're glad you learned We're not surprised That that business Is no longer Running and operating <laughs> Wow. 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 Thanks for sharing these. And
3: if that lady's still out there, sorry, Doug, go to him. <laughs> Cause how dare you? <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: Well, we've we've learned some things, right? Together. Again, we're growing. We're figuring it out. But thank you all for sharing your horror stories. And again, as Maya said, all of these feelings are very real and they feel very urgent also in the moment, especially. But there's a lot also that we've learned. Over these past few episodes that our hair is amazing and beautiful, but also it's just hair, y'all. So no matter what, like you're beautiful either way, no matter what, what, however it grows out of your scalp, if you decide to shave it all off, whatever that looks like, we're all learning about our own hair. We're all like finding ways to style it and be versatile with it because there's no one more versatile than us. And make sure to just like adjust your crown because you got it. All right, with that, (laughs) we have reached the end of our beautiful episode. That means that it's time for the Don't At Me. Oh, yes, y'all. Yes, the Don't At Me, as we all know by now, is the point of our conversation where we tie a bow on our discussion, we give you all some food for thought, and just some energy to move about your day. And if the title wasn't clear, you cannot at us, okay? Nothing, nunca, non, nine no. Heart emoji. And for this one, we're going to throw it to the Manny on the Map queen herself. All right, Miss L'Oreal Blackett, take it away
1: for this don't at me. So, don't at me. But I can't braid my own hair. And I won't braid my own hair. Cornrows can't do it. Wash day, I can't hack it. Box braids by myself, no thanks. I have the utmost respect for the kitchen beauticians, but that's not me. I need help. In this period of my life, my soft, luxurious, carefree existence, it means that I'm accepting of the places where I struggle. If I have the means, I'm getting that help, and that's okay. I'm speaking directly to the tender-headed, the impatient, and those of us who are sat in front of a YouTube tutorial with a comb in one hand, confused as hell. For those of us who's pissed out, never quite survived under our bonnets at night, In learning to love my hair, I've learned that investing in it is my hair love language. But I'm no longer fighting to achieve perfection by my own hands. So thank you, Mum, and don't at me.
5: So cute.
3: I loved
0: it. That was so sweet. She's gonna (laughs) love that too. There are billions of people in the world, but only one you. Yes, you queen, okay? And with a million hair care products out there, there is one made especially for royalty like yourself. Dove's new crown collection has something crafted for our coils, curls, and waves with plant-based squalene, probiotics, and vitamins. Dove's first-of-its-kind holistic health repairing system is designed to cultivate and protect with the intention to go beyond repair for melanin-rich scalps and naturally textured hair. So adjust your crown, stay nourished, and go to Dove.com to learn more. Okay, so... On the show today, our guest needs no introduction. But as we do on the show, we're going to be giving her all of the flowers. Actually, we're going to be giving her the entire Botanical Gardens, okay? Because when I say that this person is a multi-hyphenate, okay, an actress, a singer, a dancer, a director, a producer, a visionary, okay, there is nothing she cannot do, okay? She's been working from the womb, literally, and now appearing on all of our screens. She is the co-founder of the Auntie's Production Company, and she is currently starring in the beautifully, critically acclaimed movie, A Thousand and one, which made its debut at Sundance this year and won the Grand Jury Prize, okay? In case you're wondering, all right? She is a mogul, a family woman, a mom to the two cutest children ever invented. And not that this matters, but the face card never declines, okay? Black American Express status, folks. Please. Please give a warm welcome to the Tiana Taylor. Welcome to Go Off This. Oh, thank you guys. <laughs> hey. <was> so beautiful. <laughs> we are all about giving flowers and celebrating like while yes, we have yes. you so we're being present with you. Thank you so much for being here.
5: No problem. Thank you for having me honestly. Thank you so much.
0: Yes. So I'm going to get on into it. So earlier in this episode, we were talking, we were having a roundtable conversation around our hair. And, mm. you know, there's a lot that goes into Black women and hair. And we've been really focusing on our hair in these conversations over the past few episodes. And it's really like, unraveled and unpacked and unearthed some things for us. And so we wanted to sort of start off with you because, again, as we sort of talk about the film, you're a stylist in the film, right? But also in your real life, you are such a fashion icon. We've yeah. never seen you have a bad hair day. You look amazing right now. <laughs> Y'all can't see, but it's, it's giving Tony Braxton an obsessive. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And I think I would love to just start off and can you talk a little bit about that relationship? Relationship with your hair, you know, again, you've always sort of given us new looks, you know, at every era of your career. And again, you, you're you someone who's so open and so inventive with your hair. So just wanted to talk a little bit about for you, like, how has that hair journey been for you? What has been that relationship with
5: your own hair? Oh, that's actually a great question. A lot of people don't know that my Nana did hair hmm. for 55 years. And uh, she literally just retired. And that was by choice. Like she literally retired. It wasn't like, oh, Nana retired because that's how much she loved hair. She did it mm-hmm. until literally she was just ready to not do it. So I already grew up around it. My Nana did hair and her daughter, which is my Auntie Tina, still does hair to this day. So I've always, I kind of grew up in the salon, always on a mannequin head. So I just always learned. And so I learned kind of early. And then it's crazy because getting into the industry, you know, when I first came in, the industry, I had big curly hair. And um, the industry whooped my hair's ass. Mm -hmm. Like I had a lot of like little ups and downs. You see, I cut it. I let it grow out and then still cut it. You know, like I kind of just flow with whatever. I feel like hair is like an energy. I'm sorry, it holds energy. And whatever I'm feeling at the moment is kind of like I express myself through my hair. But I've also realized that like coming up in the industry, I couldn't depend on a lot of people. It became like a popularity contest. Some people wouldn't show up for me because they maybe have gotten a call from like a bigger artist or a bigger celebrity. So like by the grace of God, having my family that does hair, I kind of just learned to like kind of be in survival mode and know how to do it all myself, you know? So I'm like, all right, cool. So I kind of like got into that mode and that's kind of like my journey with hair. Cause I'm like, nobody's ever going to treat your stuff the way you would treat yourself. Like, you know, your friends come to your house and it's like, would you would you be in your house like that? You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing with hair, it's the same thing with friends. It's just the same thing all across the board. I realized that nobody's gonna love me the way I'm gonna love me. You know what I'm saying? So I started to find myself and my hair care and just doing it myself. Hmm. Wow. There's so
0: much in there. And I think something that I love is that, you know, when you started talking about hair, you started talking about the hair that's come before you, right, with your Nana and how that relationship with your hair started before you were even here, right? It's something that that started within your family, right, and a legacy that has been, like, passed down to you. And I feel like that's something that's so interesting and something that I think for all of us on this on this podcast, we saw whatever that may be like our relationship with hair was something that we
5: almost inherited the good and the bad. Yes, right? exactly. It's crazy not even knowing that me sitting there doing the mannequins hair at my Nana's salon, that that was even preparation for what was to come for me. So I think like when it got to a point where people wouldn't show up for me, as even Inez said. It was like the mode of like, wow, so this was preparation without even knowing, like it wasn't a purpose preparation, but this was God's preparation to prepare me for whatever my life was about to turn into and to be able to know how to do it myself. And then especially in a business like this, where you are getting your hair done by people who don't understand your hair. So it's just like, by the grace of God, it's like, I kind of knew and it's like, ah, ah." I'm not trying to be difficult, which we deem difficult when we stand Mm. up for ourselves or Mm. when we so or even just by knowing too much, you're considered difficult. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I had to know that I'm going to stand strong in this. Like I got a aunt and I got a you know a grandmother that really has been doing hair all of my life. And I know what it should feel like. I know what it should look like. And I'm not going to allow anybody to have me out here looking crazy.
0: Like you'll get in there and do it. And I think that's something that, again, as we talk more about our hair and more people are open about it, like you are, right? And saying, no, like When I was coming up, there wasn't a stylist who knew how to do my hair, who knew what to do with it, that, you know, you can't put water on it and just try to slick it back. That's not going to do that's not going to do nothing to it. So let me do it myself and we'll figure it out. But that also is something, again, to your point that, like, you had to rely only on you. To do that, And I think that is a conversation that's coming up more and more in Hollywood. I think of like that the industry behind the scenes isn't created for us to be celebrated, for us to flourish and for us to actually feel safe when we sit down in
5: a stylish chair. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, to have anxiety in a chair, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? It's like, yeah, I, I definitely feel what you're saying. And I've been through that a lot, which is the reason why, you know, you find the rare few who look like you. Who know what they doing and you hold on to them. But all in all, I'm like so blessed that I've been able to really just know that my nana is one call away, know that my auntina is one call away, and know that these hands is less than a call away. They have my body, honey.
2: <laughs> I was just gonna say, Chelsea and I are jealous because we've talked a lot on this podcast about how both of us don't know how to do our
5: own hair. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so oh, I've been oh, there oh, in God, moments. i you i straight. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. I'm the you. I'm the home girl that like, If we all going out, I'm doing everybody's hair. I'm getting everybody's dress because we all going to look good. You ain't about to be outside looking crazy. Like that's me. (laughs) Like I will give you the clothes off of my back. I will, if I got some little clip-ins and I got about 20 clip-ins and you ain't got nothing, 10 of them is going to go to you. We're going to figure out a way how to make this stretch. Like I said, that's like my survival insight. I just know, you know, what to do. And like I said, growing up in the salon, you get to see all the different tricks and just the, even honestly, the love and the care. I have one hairstylist, his name is Q who literally would kiss my scalp before he did my hair. So I really know, like, I've been around really great hairstylists that really knows how to love and care for their hair and, like, talk to it. And really, it's just, it's just the same way like plants. Like They say plants is energy. You got to talk to them. You got to feed them. You got to pour into them. It's the same thing with hair. Your hair is literally, like, the closest thing to you, damn near. It's almost like they have, like, an all-access pass, to your concert, you feel what I'm saying, or access paths to your life. So any little moment that your brain is right here, and then your hair comes out your scalp, your whole crown area, that's where most of your energy is. So be careful how you treat it and be careful to not let it, you know, not let your crown fall to the ground okay, I'm already, this is like five minutes in. I'm already, I'm already, yeah.
0: like, like, I really, just because you're right. And I think that's something, again, that is so great for us to hear from you and for you to, again, understanding is something that's a legacy that you've really taken to heart. That's the energy that you're spreading to you and your own, but also to our audience, because we all need to hear that.
5: <laughs> Honestly, even as a mother, like to my babies, you know what I'm saying? Like. You know, my oldest, Junie, like she's into hair. You know what I'm saying? So every week she want to switch it up. But then my youngest, she's a Rasta. She loves her (laughs) locks. And she don't want to like touch her locks. She don't (laughs) want to touch her hair. Like, and it's so amazing. So to have that balance, to be able to say, baby, love who you are, love your crown, love your hair, love your scalp. I love that. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, especially my two-year-old. Like, she loves her locks. I think it's the most beautiful thing. Like, if I wasn't in the industry where I had to change my hair so much, you see, at one point, I was wearing my big locks. That became like a thing. I love my locks. You know, I'm like, I want these permanent. I don't want to start with no small ones. I want to get straight to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, to be able to even also just like live through my daughter, but it's by her choice. And it's not like, oh yeah, this is what you have to do. It's like what she wants, and She loves it. And she's like, mommy, look at me. And it's just to see her embrace her hair, to see Juni embrace her fro and embrace her braids. I think it's just so beautiful.
2: It is so, so beautiful. And it is something I think that we're all striving for, you know, for that next generation to just embrace their hair and love it. So that's really beautiful to hear. But hearing you talk about motherhood, of course, we have to go back to 1001 because... Whew, this movie! I was saying before we came onto this that it just it wrecked me. It messed me up, Tiana. Like, <laughs>
5: I know but I, I, I worked Inez's ass. Yeah, I I love Inez. That's why it messed me up. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's crazy? I just feel like it, it probably made you cry because it's just like it, Inez is within all of us. Our struggles may not all be the same, but just a lot of the things that she's been through, we've all been through it. We've all been through a lot of the things that triggered Inez has been triggers for us. Her struggle has been the same struggles, you know, her voice, her wanting to be heard, her wanting to be felt, her wanting to be like we've all been through that before. I mean, to this day, as black women, we're still trying to be heard. We're still trying to be protected. We're still trying to be seen for real. We're still trying to be heard without being deemed as difficult or being deemed an angry black woman so it's like, no matter what status, where you are in life, we're all fighting for the same things because at the end of it all, if it all go down, guess what? We all being pushed to the same corner.
2: Yeah. And it's like, her story is so specific, which is why it's universal. Like it's, it's very, a very quiet, grounded story. And in it, like you're saying, there are so many moments that uh, signify the struggle of so many black women like Inez. And this movie, you know, it's getting such great reviews because it's so great, but it's been called A Love Letter to Mothers, Sons, and Hustlers of New York. The movie, you know, has that authenticity and grit and energy of New York in like the 90s and the early 2000s, which I loved. Like, you're really just like living in that era. And it tackles so many issues like you just spoke to that so many Black women face, especially in America, colorism, housing, the foster system. So I just want to, all of that, I can imagine that's what drew you to the story, but I want to take it back to the beginning and, and how you got involved and why this was an important story for you to tell.
5: Well, wow. it's crazy because I remember I had just started growing my hair cut out and my hair was looking crazy. Just a random day, it was just looking crazy. And I remember getting an email and all there was was like some audition sides and like a synopsis of the movie and who Inez was. And literally, I was so excited. Didn't even have the whole scripture. I was like, oh, I'm doing it. I told my videographer, I was like, Kevin, get the camera ready right now. We're doing this. Hair's perfect. You know what I'm saying? I could not wait. I, I wanted a moment where I could just be stripped down and just be raw in a film. You know what I'm saying? And just be raw in a role. And I just remember I did it. And I, I immediately got a call back. I did not need more than five minutes with the sides. Like, I literally read it and had the camera set up, did a self tape, sent it in, got the call back. And then that's when the real work began. Cause at that point, it was like kind of mine to lose. I knew it was something that I wanted to work for. It didn't matter how many times I had to read for it, and no matter how much I had to workshop for it. Me and um AV did like a lot of chemistry reads. Building Inez was a process. And before she could trust me with Inez, she needed to know that I was willing to put in the work and willing to do that. She was taking a chance on me.
2: You're speaking about A.V. Rockwell, the director yeah. and
5: writer. Yes. yes. And this is her first feature film as a director. Like, this is a lot of weight on her. And this was like training camp for me. And I was willing to do the work. And a lot of work, a lot of emotional work, a lot of mental work, a lot of prayer. It was a lot, but it was like worth it. And I enjoyed it every bit of it, even all the way down to finally getting the role and keeping in mind the process that it took to with dealing with whatever I was dealing with postpartum. By the time I actually got the role, I was then at that point, six months postpartum. So I think it was also kind of easy to tap into Inez and something that my body's been waiting for because I've been looking for an outlet to just finally be weak. Wow. Emotionally, you know, not saying that Inez is weak, but everything that I was dealing with, I had an outlet to just cry on the spot. I had an outlet to outpour pain. I had an outlet to do all the things that I couldn't do at home because when I was at home, I was super mom. You know, I was a superhero. So I wasn't allowed to cry. Damn, I wasn't even allowed to feel because I had babies to raise. So I was secretly crying out and secretly dealing with my postpartum depression and, and everything else that I was dealing with, you know. So getting this role meant a lot to me. And also knowing that I had a point to prove. I got a lot of no's in my life until I got this one yes that just changed my whole world. You know what I'm saying? So to be able to go on set and really tap into Inez, was, it was emotional, but it was therapeutic at the same time. I had suffered with a lot of loss of loved ones. Going, just even going back to Harlem to play Inez. I was going to funerals during my lunch breaks. Life whooped Inez's ass. Inez whooped my ass and I left it all right there. I left it all right there on the screen. I was dealing with a lot. So many of the bars that was in that movie was so relatable. It was so relatable, so relatable. Like I was Inez in so many different ways. It was almost like even in that audition that day before I ever even put myself on tape, that role was written for me. Like it was already written. It was already written. It was already in God's hands. Ooh, yeah. What's
2: for you will never pass you. And that you can just tell watching this. Chelsea and I were both crying through Sorry. that answer. Seriously. And I'm trying to like hold it together. <laughs> no. I'm like, oh my no, God. i Because no. I, I mean, one of the no. things that like just struck me in the gut when you were talking about you finally had the chance to be weak. I think that also just speaks to why so many black women are the best actresses like the best on screen because you have to do that you know like this is an opportunity
5: like it's, we're kind of acting all
2: the time to just yeah. survive in this world yeah. come on
5: because we strong and and, and that's what it, it's okay to just like not fucking be strong sometime you know what i'm saying and it's just like we got to be strong we have no choice because we're in survival mode and that's inez Like, oh, one moment you like when I'm spicy, but the next moment you use that very same thing against me. So it worked when I'm fighting for you, but when I'm fighting for myself, it's a problem. And that's this industry. That's us as as women in general. When we fight for everybody else, it's okay. Until we fight for ourselves, then it's a problem. And we're angry, and that's the part that's unfair. So I was able for once to openly be weak, and it worked for the best. It did.
2: And there's so many moments that you can see Inez. She's able to express her anger at times, but then the moments when she has to pull it back. Like, I'm thinking of the scene with her super.
5: And Terry, like, why you ain't fight him on it? Ex- right? <laughs> these, these are <laughs> the things in real life that triggers us just as women. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot. And then also just like living that and knowing that these are the things that my mom has been through. These are the things that my grandmom has been through. These are the things that my aunties have been through. All the women in my life has been through this. And I was on the other end of the spectrum. I was six-year-old Terry in 1990 mm. not understanding. I was 14-year-old Terry at one point. I was 17-year-old Terry, not understanding why you have to do this, why you have to be away from me, why you always working, why, 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 always the why. It was always a why. You know what I'm saying? So it's like even just doing this role also made me appreciate my mom and all the women in my life in ways that, you know, I already appreciated them. But like this was like next level because already becoming a mom made you see, okay, cool. Yeah, this is this is work. Mom, I commend you. Now I understand what it means when you say, you know, you only get one mother or I bought you in this world. I'll take you out. And you got every right to say that. (laughs) You got every right to say that. because Now being a mom, I get that. As a mother, it's like, I want my kid to have a better life than I ever had. I want my kid to be set. I want my kid to be okay. So like playing Inez, I really got to live it from both sides as a mom and as a daughter, you know what I'm saying? Like to a, a single parent. And it's just like, honestly, even with me being who I am, no matter your status, whatever, like at the majority of it, it's like me and my husband, we both worked. We're both on two different ends of earth he's filming i'm filming so quite naturally i'm going to have the kids so it's been plenty of times where i've literally been a single parent so we all have went through these struggles you know in different capacities but i know how it feels to do this and do that and still have these quiet and private battles that you won't bring to your husband that you won't bring to your mom that you won't bring to your family because it's just within yourself but then you have your faith walk you know the upside of it is you have a choice everything in your life Is a choice, you know, and you have your own personal demons that you fight. The only difference is you have some people that are getting defeated. You have some people that are defeating. Which one are you? And I chose to defeat, not be defeated. That was in the power of prayer and the power of building my relationship with God. And also knowing that the weight that I used to think was punishment, now understanding that that weight was just preparation for what was already written for me. That's why I respect Inez, because she never folded. Inez has been through a lot, but she never let her faith walk stop, which is the reason why when you get to the end of that film, she could walk away with a smile on her face, knowing that she did her part and did everything she could, and knowing that he's going to be something. You're gonna, I already won.
2: Mm, I love that line. Whew. I mean, you talked about the bars. I mean, you're dropping bars right now. Ooh, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, so many. But you've talked about the bars in this movie, and one of my favorite... Whew, okay, so there's a scene in the movie. I'm going to set it for people who have not seen it. I bet you I know. I guess, <laughs> you know, she's having a fight with Terry, and she's there's talking a about black how...
5: woman a black woman, and even that shit get messy. Bro, we've been on the same page. <laughs> before party. Say it, how it how again. Can, like...
2: Wait, wait, wait. I want people to hear the line. So say it one more time.
5: Okay, so she say the only people that support Black women is other Black women, and even that shit get messy. But well, pretty Woo! much nobody else supports Black women besides other Black women. And even that shit gets messy. Yeah. true. Mm. Because the thing about it is at this point, from my experience, also played a big reason, and one of the reasons of why I even retired was because for me, even just becoming a director and all the things that I do, styling, like if you notice all the other things that I love to do is things that will benefit others, that will help others. That's just who I am. At one point, I felt like my higher calling is to really help others get their visions and dreams out because I've always been a helper. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of my my younger years in the industry, I took a lot of things personal because I loved hard and I'm a giver. And I realized that a lot of the love that I was giving wasn't being reciprocated. I would lose opportunities just because a person didn't want to stand next to me because of my parents or if they may have been intimidated or, and if you notice, it's like, it can't be multiple Queens. It could only be one throne, one crown, one rose. And it's just like, I just don't come from that world. I come from a very affectionate family of all women, damn near. All we do is uplift one another. So imagine coming into this dirty game, this dirty industry where like, Everybody, the, the, the woman act like they love you for an aesthetic because that's what it looks like when we pop up at this woman empowerment brunch. At this mm-hmm. woman empowerment, we're all empowering one another. And then the moment they yell, cut, who's really empowering one another? So it still gets messy because everybody's intimidated by it. Nobody knows how to stand in the same room. Nobody knows how to stand on the same throne. Nobody knows how to say, you know, it's just, let me move over here. Let me break this crown in half. Let's slice this up like a piece of cake because nobody want to share. You know, it can only be one person up top and I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of the fake woman empowerment and we're not really empowering one another. You know, this industry is the messy part of women supporting one another is that it's just everything's a competition and it's okay to have friendly competition and all those different things. But like, let's really empower one another, not just for an aesthetic and not just for lookers behind closed doors. We're taking opportunities away from each other. Everybody can demand a room in a way that they want to demand a room. You know what I'm saying? We can all demand it together, which is the reason why I do appreciate moments like that yeah, really have these events where you have no choice, but to uplift. You are just so, everybody's just so proud of each other. And I just wish that we could bring it home and not just to an event. Text messages, really uplift one another when we see each other. Not only I, we already dealing with these fucking men. And this is the men. This is the man's world pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Then we got to turn around and deal with ourselves and deal with one another. It's too much, baby. Y'all can have
2: it.
5: Y'all can (laughs) can have it.
2: Uh, And it's, I mean, it's also... The reason that happens is because it's a man's world, right? Like there's so much, we talk about unlearning all the time. And it's like, those behaviors are learned because we've been taught to think that there's only room for one of us. So then that person is your competition because there is only room for one. Exactly,
5: it's only room. Yeah, crabs in a barrel. One girl, yeah, exactly. Crabs in a barrel, that's exactly what it is. And it's just like, we're also pitted against one another. But like I said a little earlier on is that at the end of the day, everything is still a choice though. You can choose to move with grace or you can choose to move with grudge. And for me, it's grace over grudges all the time. So I just don't understand why we have to bring each other down to get ahead or to be a step further. To what? To what?
2: Yeah, and it's community over everything, right? And I do want to ask one last question about the film because one of the things that I think it tackles so well and and subtly is gentrification. You know, it is about Harlem. You are from Harlem, The Harlem of the '90s and the 2000s barely exists anymore, and so I just want you to talk about that that relationship and the changes now that there's, you know, Harlem's got Whole Foods and Starbucks. (laughs) Like, just talk about no, that's so how yeah, how it's changed and and that part of the film and why it was important to tackle.
5: It was emotional to go back home and see what I seen. What really even kept a little bit of happiness was the fact that the art team did a hell of a job. Locations did a hell of a job, but just, you know, it, still finding certain little gems that were still there, but really art department really redressing up the block, redressing up the street to make it look like, oh my God, I remember when, you get what I'm saying? And the uh-huh. uh, movie did a great job of making Harlem feel like Harlem again, but physically going there and, you know, it was a lot more gray, a lot more glass, a lot more, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, We lost a lot of the history, a lot of that rawness, a lot of the thing that makes New York, New York. And the part that hurt the most is it's not even a change for the better. The change is to get us out, not to upgrade our lifestyle, not to upgrade the lifestyle of the people that are there. So it's like if you're upgrading to put us out, it's nothing to really be excited about. Oh, my God, you guys you have a new glass building. Right, <laughs> <just> right. Like, <laughs> no? Because I'm realizing where we are still at, the buildings haven't really changed. And that's the part of Inez, when you see the super kind of like antagonize her a little bit and, you know, it's the really just a, the passive aggressive shit that was happening. Like, it was a lot of real triggers to have to go back home and to play Inez. And not only am I playing the role of Inez, but I'm playing the role for the people from my neighborhood. I opened up a whole nail salon in the middle of Harlem. And above me lived people that didn't look like me, that constantly called the cops, that constantly, Mm. it was always an issue. They'll use any little thing to get you out, like any little thing to get you out. So just even just as a salon owner, just the triggers of that, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then COVID happened. And when I closed down my nail salon, it's not that I was ran out, but I'm like, you know what? The next time I come back, I'm buying a block for me and my people. Because like, why? I don't have to pay rent to be where I'm not wanted. Mm. where my people are not wanting. You get what I'm saying? But that's what comes with when you upgrade and all this stuff and, you know, they have a different intention of what they want to do with it. And they feel like, okay, cool. Well, oh, look at us. Look at the kind of people that we that we can bring up here. You know, the Bronx is the new downtown. Harlem is the new so. It's like, wait, what? What is all these new nicknames and everything that's happening? We don't need that. So it's definitely a bittersweet thing because of course you want to see your community grow and evolve as we do as people you know we don't stay the same all of our lives we're evolving all the time so of course you want to see a neighborhood and you want to see the world evolve you want to see change but you don't want to see change and get kicked out of it and even the same thing with just police brutality and all the other different things that we hit on in the movie is like nothing has really changed anything has gotten a little worse
0: Yes. Like we do have to do things at this point, like for ourselves, right? Because these structures that are being put in glass, whatever, they're not for us. They're not made with us in mind. And what we have to do is build for ourselves and for our community because we need places for us. But I think also like one of my affirmations for the year is just like going where the love is.
5: And I think that's huge welcome. I think that that's so important. That's why I'm like just working so hard to get where I really want to be. Like I want to get in a position where, like I said, I can come to the block and buy up the whole block and make it affordable, build more shelter. You know what I'm saying? More shelters and different things like other ways that can help people. I never understood how they don't want us on the street, but don't want to put us up neither. Mm-hmm. So when you're taking these homeless people, like you got to get up, on. you got to move to go where? Come on. Mm-hmm. To go where? So it's a loose, loose situation. We're, we're set up for failure. We're set up to be kicked to the next block. And when I try to rest myself here, I'm getting kicked and moved to the next block. You know what I'm saying? So it's even, even it's just, it's a really hurtful thing to also see people, like I've gone to a Whole Foods where I've seen somebody getting pushed and kicked by security guard to move from in front of the establishment. And you have a new establishment. And this homeless guy has probably been his block, his territory for how long? And I'm not saying that it's necessarily right. And that means just let anybody sleep in front of the establishment. But it's just like, what? A, we don't have enough resources to, to tell these people where they can go. It's just not enough love in the world. And I just can't wait for me to get to a place where I can provide these kind of things or just partner with other companies that provide these kind of things. But that's what I mean about the fake empowerment I don't have investors and that's nothing people don't know about a lot of these other, you know, people have investors and I don't have all of that. When you see me do the work, the aunties and getting a compound and doing the nail salon, like all that stuff that I do for my community and, and my people is out of pocket. When I still got two kids to raise and family to take care of. And so all that rich shit look cool until you got big taxes to come with the with the tax bracket that you in, You know what I'm saying? People to take care of and still trying to take care of your community and trying to give back and different things like that. So yes, I work my ass off every single day to keep building so I can get to a place where I can do the things that like Tyler Perry is doing. I want to be there at that capacity. My people build my own town. That's accessible. I feel like Harlem and, you know, it's just not really accessible anymore to the people that it needs to be accessible to.
0: Yeah. And I think exactly when what you've just been talking about and just, again, dropping bar after bar on is just this idea of, like, getting out of a scarcity mindset and, like, stepping into a mindset of abundance, of, like, there is an opportunity. There is a place for you here. There is a place, like, you're doing with the Auntie's Production Company and when what you're doing with this film or what you're doing with your own family. Like, there is room for all of us here, and you're being an example of that. So... I hope that people hear that because I know I am ready to go out and buy a block, and I don't have no block money. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think again is is just so important, and that's why this conversation has been so filling and so real. And I just we thank you so much for for being here and being present and so present in your role and in this film. It is magnificent,
5: and you are. Acting. Okay. Like, acting, <laughs> okay. No problem. Thank Thanks you guys for having me. This was amazing. And thank you for making me feel safe. I appreciate that. I'm really, really big on safe environments. I'm not really a big, super big interview girl because of reasons like that and how we read and how we come across when we do express ourselves and express our truth. So thank you for creating such a safe environment. Thank you. And please,
0: everyone, go see 1001. It is out now. We're just, we're so excited for you, Tiana. It's just, it's going to be amazing. The Go Off This Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Rashad Isaac, Crystal Devone, Jordan Mason, and me, Chelsea Sanders. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Kathleen Newman-Bermang, L'Oreal Blackett, Jessica Hardy, and Maya Carmichael. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram at R29Unbothered. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis.